This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. It's late night Saturday. It's actually Sunday for Chris at this point. Better late than never. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Hawkins is is past my bedtime. What are we doing here? You you said there would be candy and there's not. There's just a Zoom call and a podcast. No, I understand that. You lied. You lied again. Had you been able to do it Friday night? Uh, wait. <laughs> so, so you tricked me out. I was sleeping. I was having my dreams about architecture and they've been interrupted rudely by you once again. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, lazy river may not be open today just cause, uh, <laughs> scheduling and stuff. I watched Starcade 89. I know I promised you guys that, uh, but we're going to do mostly a full gear review after that. Cause I don't have a lot of news to be honest with you. Uh, And, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot on TV, in my opinion, in terms of uh, Survivor Series build that really caught my eye. Chris, was there was there a lot that caught your eye? (laughs) WWE has an uncanny ability to make hours upon hours of television and have basically none of it have any consequence. (laughs) Like the go home will have something. It'll have an invasion of shirts. And, you know, and then we'll go to it because we know the deal here. But uh, go a little bit into the news. A couple of lighter items. First, uh, ratings among all shows on cable for the week. Raw was 18th, Dynamite 36, Rampage 74th. New shows did much better than usual this week due to the election. If you take out news and major sports, Raw was third for the week, Dynamite 9th, and Rampage 18th. And that is with Raw having one of its all-time low hours in the third hour, I believe, too. <laughs> People didn't want to watch Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens for the 800th time. You know, on the one hand, I get why people don't necessarily find like the discussion or the debate of what will it take for AEW to overtake WWE to be Mm -hmm. like an interesting debate. But on another hand, y'all like, this is a very, very poorly written television show that somehow has the uncanny ability to get to third. (laughs) And like, it's a bad wrestling show. The, the clear, it's brand, it's brand loyalty, brand loyalty. But like Hawkins, what this says to me, is the existence that a better wrestling show would be able to do better. Because if a bad wrestling show is doing this, surely a better one would do better. Yes. And so it remains to me interesting. Like well, an, an I mean, interesting conversation. Like, No, because I will, will say t- Dynamite is a great show. Rampage is my favorite because it's one hour. It's solid all the way through, in and out. That's what I want. But... I just think I just think every it's one of those things where it's like soda pop, Coca-Cola. It, it's that it's that strong and that's going to be hard to topple that. But the the problem with your Coca-Cola analogy here is that it supposes that Pepsi is superior to Coca-Cola, which it is not. 
Uh, they, they, you know, on occasion, a Pepsi is an interesting change of pace, but it's the change of pace soda. It's not the main soda. It will always be the change of pace. Don't, are you making a face at me like Pepsi's a, a worthy contender to Coca-Cola? I was thinking not, RC. RC's actually good, though. I like RC, but uh, no, yeah, I'm, right. thinking, I'm thinking WWE right. is just Coca-Cola. Well, 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 no, like AEW is like, is, I mean, is the RC Cola. I, like I don't, that's, mean, I don't mean quality here, Chris. I just mean market space, like, like Q rating, like. Like you, when you say wrestling, you think Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Rock. But I, Steve I, I think this is it's it matters because it would require like Coca Cola for the last twenty years to have been putting out like a much weaker version of what Coca Cola is than it was in the nineties, and everyone still just drinks it out of brand loyalty. And Coca Cola is the same Coca Cola it's always been. WWE is not the same WWE it's always been. That's true. It has it has been on a declining arc, or worse still, the way it's been declining is by being like a weird monument to the year two thousand and two. It's like they try to change as little as possible um, and have as much continuity over the last twenty years as possible. I will give credit where credit is due because we're not going to do well. Maybe we can do a little lazy river here in the news because I only have one other story here, and it's about uh, it's about. <laughs> about michelle wilson and george barrios and where they decided to put their money and it's just fascinating but before we get into the full gear thing credit were due i'm not big on Aaliyah, but the way they debuted her made her seem like a big deal and the crowd responded accordingly now i hate the story on both shows of we're pulling you off the survivor series team and now both adam pierce and sonia deville are both bad people which I don't like unless there's an earth one and an earth three Adam Pierce. I like that. Ali was trying to reboot retribution that Ali only <laughs> has one idea. And that <laughs> one idea is to go to disgruntled employees and try to get a faction together with them. <laughs> I kind of want this to be a running joke forever. Yeah. Oh, Ali's there. He just wants, he, hey guys, he's got one idea. <laughs> Dijak comes after he loses his next match. Hey, Got an idea for you. I bet you're pretty mad. This company doesn't treat you very well, does it? That and I thought Charlotte had an outstanding promo on SmackDown. That's that was my favorite Charlotte promo ever. It's almost like almost like gives no Fs because she's already in the doghouse a bit. Charlotte Flair. And I, you know, Tony Storm is finally gonna gonna get a chance to do something on TV, which is fine. But other than that. Eh, not, nothing here. Uh, <laughs> Becky is dressing like she's a disco ball for some reason. I don't get this, but uh, um, they I, they turned dewdrop heel, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did during a uh, raw. <laughs> okay. Is she is she still going to be dewdrop? I uh, double D. Wow. <laughs> the other story I had was former WWE presidents Michelle Wilson and George Barris are now involved with Bolero. B-O-W-L-E-R-O, -E the largest bowling center operator in the U.S., which is set to go public in the next few weeks. Bolero will be first merging with a special purpose acquisition corporation, SPAC for you kids who don't know stock, and then going public with a valuation of $2.6 billion. Bolero owns 322 bowling centers nationwide, about 8% of the 3,700 in the country. About 140 of the centers are upscale bowling ones, very much unlike the traditional bowling alleys in the past. Thanks, Dave Meltzer. While the other 182 are more traditional, part of going public would be to upgrade the others. The hope is that the ability to legally gamble on bowling will increase the number of times people bowl over the course of a year. And such would be almost all profit. Now, 
here's here's a few things that you should know. Number one, you can gamble on bowling anytime. You just say, hey. Hey, Jeff, I bet you 20 (laughs) bucks I'm going to kick your ass in bowling. There you go. That's not that hard to gamble on bowling. I do it all the time. Number two, if it didn't go through an IPO, this thing, if if you were thinking possibly, hey, this would be a great in, post-spec mergers are the most hammered play in the stock market right now. I don't know what it is because I'm invested in a few of these. But everybody has just decided that they no longer like the post spac mergers. They they want to short the hell out of this thing, and it's gonna it's Bolero may be bankrupt by the end of next year. We may be talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to wind it back here. Uh, so they have eight percent of the market share in the bowling lane industry, which is an industry that has been not really on fire here the last couple of years and has been on a decline for the last 15, 20. The outlook's not great. Um, They're a small competitor in there. You have other places, like insofar as bowling still exists, it exists in entertainment centers where you also have laser tag and you have arcades. It's a place to take the family. It's not a high class, let's go and bowl sort of thing like that. No, I disagree slightly. In big cities, they're they've been making attempts and there are a few of these here in LA and especially Hollywood. The uh, it's bowling combined with the club atmosphere. So it's like you know, it's it's super expensive bowl. You know what? They it's actually have one of those drinks. here in Dallas. They have yeah. one of those here uh, down in the heavily gentrified Deep Elm district. Yes, they're now. trying to they're trying to take it out of the. There's one at Universal City. There's one at Hollywood and Highland here. It, they're trying to take it out of the blue collar thing and make it cool for the hip kids. Now, now it, it, with with yours, did they try candle pin bowling? Because that's what they're doing in mine. What's is that duck pins? The, 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 not the fat ones. That's like the small ones. And you use a smaller ball. Yeah. That's duck pins from what, what I know. Oh, okay. They, see, they I, 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 in Massachusetts, we learned it as candle pin and no, yeah, I've always, no, always their big it. thing is that, you know, you have the neon pins and they turn the lights off and the balls glow and you get drunk and you know, there's a dance floor, I believe in one of these things, but it's still like 20 bucks a game to bowl, which is effing ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah, but if you have enough drinks and you know you, you let the chemicals really take over and all those yeah. neon, all the neons kicking in, you're just vibing. You don't care anymore. And then you start gambling on bowling, which is nothing but pure throwing out twenty dollar bills all over the place. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, yeah, and that, that's all I had for the news because hey, it's late. This will probably be a shorter show than usual, but tonight, kids, was full gear twenty twenty one. Once again, AEW putting on a. Actually, they had satellite time between eight and midnight, went off the air at 11.59. Exactly, Chris. Uh, first of all, what's, uh, what's your overall impression of the show? Oh, God, I thought it was a very strong show, broadly speaking. Um, yeah. Most matches brought it with like one exception. Um, and I think that for the fan base... The conclusion of the main event delivered what AEW fans want. And from a business perspective, you've got to applaud that. Look, uh, AEW fans want Hangman to be the champion. 
Um, they don't necessarily care how they got there so much either. Um, and they're, they're, they're happy to go on the ride and they're there for it. Um, so I thought it was a very strong show for them. I thought it was strong. I didn't think it was as strong as, as all out. I, I, and that's a tough bar to cross. Yeah. But like we, we've come a long way from the exploding barbed wire of doom. Yes. I, I will give you that. I thought they kind of went back a little to the jam band instincts here, though. It felt like every match was about five to ten minutes too long in many ways, with the exception of the main event. I, I will. I definitely will concur with that. I think that I mean, the, the matches are going so hard that I was willing to indulge it. But yeah, like, no, I, I you could have definitely edited all these matches down to make a stronger edit of each one of these matches. OK, with- so for the record, for all the Twitter people, both Chris and I enjoyed this pay-per-view. Now we are going to nitpick. <laughs> Starting with the pre-show, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa beating Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose by pinfall. Did you get a chance to see this on the pre-show? I did not. I was actually still editing. Like we had talked, and then I wanted to get the edit of "Don't Worry" out, which you can go and catch it. Don't worry. TV. <laughs> nice plug. Anyways, uh, the start of this match was Serena Deeb was in the front row. Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero end up injuring Hikaru Shida's knee. But Thunder Rosa pins Jamie Hayter, who did her weekly spot of throwing her legs out from under her when somebody does a top rope, top turnbuckle dive off of her. It's a very impressive spot. I just see it every week. That's all. So that, so you get the Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker story going, and then you have an excuse for Sheeta to lose to Nyla Rose and continue the Serena deep feud, in my opinion. An okay match. I thought it overstayed its welcome a little bit. It felt a little disjointed, to be honest with you especially because there was no real reason for Hater and Rose to be tagging other than to get these two stories going. Yeah, I mean, it's just the Britt Baker stuff's kind of been in a holding pattern storyline-wise. It doesn't mean the matches aren't good. It just means the story is not necessarily, you know, super intriguing. And Hater, for her part, um, she's got a lot of fan support. Uh, would, But, like, I, I think she also still kind of needs, you know, some work a little bit. She can be rough, She can be rough in spots. Starting off hot, we had MJF defeating Darby Allen by pinfall. A, <laughs> as he said, a uh, what was something over headlock. He said he was going to. He did. The, he did with the move after hitting the. Uh, I'm going to beat you with a headlock takeover. Headlock takeover. Thank you. It's late. I apologize once again. But yeah, that's what it was after the ring shot. After the shot with the ring was hidden. Thought the, these two really had great chemistry going after the initial gymnastics, you know, with the, with the arms and, and, you know, the rolling around and whatnot. I thought this match really got going and got good. Uh, MJF sometimes doesn't get a lot of credit for his in-ring work because he can sometimes be a little spotty at times, other people's opinion, not mine. And, you know, they, he relies on the personality, but, he and Darby make magic together, I think. Yeah, I I like their chemistry. I like the story that they're telling. I think this is going to be a really fun feud for both of them. And I'm very in on the AEW pillars thing mm-hmm. that they've started building up here. I think that that's just like a solid... Or as Jim Ross called it, the four pillows of AEW. <laughs> Look, I mean, you got to have a lot of pillows. You need yeah. to have leg support. <laughs> you want a couple for your head. If you're a side sleeper, you got to have one of those too. I mean, if you've got, mo- let's say you have a cat. Let's say you have several cats. 
You want to have a pillow for each one of your cats. There you go. The, for the four pillows of AEW. Put them <laughs> on your bed. Uh, anyways, so I like this storyline. I think that this feud is good, and I think it's good for these these guys to have feuds with one another. Like, And MJF is going to be the antagonist for most of them because he's going to be kind of the forever heel here. Sammy, you know, will sort of oscillate back and forth a little bit. Darby is basically a baby face but mjf will always be a heel of these four pillars and i think that's great i obviously orange casting never will be so like well, he's, he's not the fourth pillow is is he not i thought he was the pillow jungle boy it, oh jungle boy but jungle bill's not gonna be uh he's he's not a he's a he's a baby face uh, we'll get into that a little bit during, okay. during, during their match uh and also i i love the story with the ring i love the continuity it's coming up on, on that time again where, and I think this is how they're going to end up splitting up Wardlow and MJF. I don't think he's going to win the ring for the third year. And I think that's going to lead to that feud coming down the road. I like that. He mentally broke Darby in a way. Uh, and, and I like that. Uh, he, he, he fulfilled his promise even by cheating. I, I really liked that part. I just thought it was a great opener, even though the heel won. Usually you don't want the heel winning in your opening match because you want the crowd to be excited, blah, blah, blah. But I, I really, no, no, no. Match. But I, I think that this is really smart too, because you want to get out of the way. The why won't Darby Allen and MJF have a wrestling match yeah. criticism that might get lobbed at the dark. It goes like, look, Darby Allen, you don't have to like this. This is just what he does. He likes having these kind of story street fight matches and these story street fight feuds. And that's that's the type of work he wants to do. And that's ultimately where this MJF and Darby Allen feud's going to settle in on. And that's fine. They now have had the wrestling match. The wrestling match was good. I see nothing here that makes me go, oh, man, I wish they would just have a longer, like, 30-minute wrestling match now. No, we got it out of the way. We're good to go. Let's move on to the more aggressive blood and gut stuff that they want to do and, you know, continue the feud onward. The Lucha Brothers, Penta El Cerro Miedo and Ray Phoenix with Alex Abrahantes defeated FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler with Tully Blanchard by pinfall. Chris, the floor is yours. No, I want to go to you. What do you think? What do you, what, what do you got to say on this? I think FTR and the Lucha Brothers can chain together spots pretty well. I don't think they have chemistry. I think this match was very good, especially once Penta, Penta has to get his sports entertainment hand gestures out of the way, and then he started to get in here. But I thought overall... It was a good match, but it felt didn't feel like a great FTR match. It felt like Dax was a very good base for for the two. Uh, I really lo- I love his brain busters. I think his brain busters are so fantastic. Uh, I liked <laughs> I liked Cash Wheeler trying to flick his hair at the beginning like he had a mullet that he's desperately trying to. Dr- no, he's throwing out that <laughs> he's mullet. Trying that to grow it out, he's it, going for failing. that eating it's, mullet. It's failing right now. <laughs> that mullet. Um, and I just, it was one of those things where the ending felt meh. Like I was almost certain they were going to take the mask off of him. It's going to be the wrong guy, dusty finish, you know, or no contest or whatever. And that would be the end of it. But instead they, they held on to the decision there with the wrong guy being pinned so that you can have a little feud later. But I, I thought the match was good, not great. And that the ending was kind of a little bit meh. 
Yeah, so I don't like the corn. Like, on one hand, yes, it's classic retro wrestling or whatever to have the mass wrestling. But, like, I think that they, they kind of done it and it was done at that point. It was silly to have that be the crux of the pay-per-view match. And you sort of took my line from me of, okay, this was a fine match, sure. Like, they put together good spots, absolutely. FTR is very good. The Lucha Brothers are very good. Um, they don't have good chemistry together. But more importantly, if you're trying to grade this on the curve of good FTR matches, like, this falls short of some of those matches they had involving, like, the Authors of Pain. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that they are capable of much better matches. And so... In this sense, you could say it's a good match. Okay, I won't quibble with you on that, but like, I, I'm gonna stick to my guns on it. They underperformed. That like the sum was less than the parts. I will agree there, and I'll continue on because you threw it to me. I will throw it back to you this time. Brian Danielson defeating Miro in the number one contenders tournament by submission. Interesting choice, I thought. Uh, Thought there might be a shot Miro wins this so they could do a rematch of Paige. You know, not not necessarily clean, but there. But uh, what did you think of this match, Chris? Oof. All right, so I just, like, changed my light the wrong way. Um, so I, I liked this match. I thought that this finish, like, having Danielson go over was interesting just given the way that the pay-per-view finished off. And so I think what I liked most about this match is it really created a ton of intrigue into the main event and some real doubt that Paige was going to win the main event. You could see a real plausible way forward where Danielson and Omega revisit their time limit draw. And like that was going to be the crux of the title feud between Danielson and Omega. And so I, I thought that this was... A, a clever bit of placement in the card and i'm with you like this to me was a jam bandy match like remember when you said you, you yes. talking about yeah this this was this was one of them i i didn't necessarily think i didn't necessarily think there was like a great story here I, like they're great i i like these two guys together but I, I just thought that, you know, at 20 minutes that this was a bit long. Here was my issue with it. And I, and I, this is not my original point. This is one Paul Ace Fontaine over at fight game media, who I just did a show with. And I thought it was a great point. The first half of this match was Daniel Bryan versus Rusev. It was very WWE. And then they got to brass tacks and they started having a wrestling match in AEW. It was almost as if a switch turned on. Now for me, I wanted more, of the Brian Danielson matches he's been having on AEW shows. I wanted more chop, 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 beating a guy down, beating a guy down type of thing. And mostly having Miro do that to Brian Danielson until Danielson, you know, comes back and shows that he's all heart and can get back in there. I thought, you know, first half of this match felt very WWE to me. And I, the other thing I liked was I liked the, uh, the, the next story and the continuity there. Now, eventually they're going to have to find a way around this. I don't know how, but they're going to have to find a way where Miro's neck is not always the target of, of somebody. So I'll, I'll go one step further. Um, given that we are building to 
like a Danielson page match now, but this works even with like a potential Danielson Omega match. I think Danielson needed to have a really dominant win over Miro and really? it be it, yeah and be the upset of the night because now you have this especially with like the the little post match uh, or post show scrum here where Danielson's uh dressed up like a soccer coach and is kind of talking about how he's here to like win and he's not trying to make friends or whatever was he doing um, a the, Ted Lasso thing or what? Uh, no no he just oh. you know Danielson always wears his fitness outfits and he looks like a wrestling coach now or like a soccer coach or something um and he is sort of like, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. And obviously the crowd's going to be, be behind Adam Page. I think making Danielson look like a world beater on a mission to win the title right now um, adds a lot of credible intrigue. I would have added a lot of credible intrigue into the main event because you would have had a really credible number one contender coming after the title. As it were, I don't believe that Danielson's beating hangman Adam page in whenever they meet up. So like, like there's a, you know, so you thought I'm, there was more intrigue in Danielson and Omega, which probably. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, but, but like, I still think regardless, if you're going to turn Danielson sort of de facto heel for this page match, it'd be better to have him super hot after a dominant win over Miro rather than like uh fighting from underneath underdoggy sort of match. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm a little bit over underdog Brian Danielson. And okay. I think, yeah. And, and I think like this match, a big criticism of it that I have is that like, he's doing this underdog thing, which would be fine, but mm. you want Chris Benoit out of Brian Danielson, especially if you're not planning on belting him anytime. Soon. Okay. I, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? You know, that like, Benoit yeah, and WCW yeah. like fighting the barbarian and Ming like he's just you know just chopping the crap and screw you I can hang with you guys that kind of thing. Yes, okay. yes, or or yeah, a little little Ken Shamrock when he uh, Shamrock, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii who's coming in by the way. Uh, Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express defeating the Super Click by pinfall in a Falls Count Anywhere match think it's my turn this is my jam band match this thing went on 10 minutes way too long i like <laughs> and the first like six minutes of it are the same song bugs. they're doing tags in a, in a false count anywhere match what are you doing i mean and, and you got two geeks with you who could join in on the fun i mean what what are we doing here i mean we'll get to that later with the minneapolis street fight but my goodness uh I liked New Jack Christian Cage jumping off the balcony. I know that was a little look. He's forty-seven. I know it's not wasn't the most smooth spot in the world, but I enjoyed that. I liked the story they told with Jungle Boy here. Jungle Boy is embracing his dark side, and it, it kept happening throughout the match. Like when he got rid of the Bucks and he had the chair and he put it down, he just kind of cockily was crossing his legs and then. Page or not Page, but Cole kicks his head off. I thought that was a great spot, but it ends with Christian handing him the chair, saying "Do the concerto." And they were trying to pull this off as a babyface move, but this felt like this felt like you know Luke's joining the dark side here to me. I I, I don't know about you, um, but I enjoyed the brawl for what was. Look, this is the party match. I don't didn't need this to be a technical wizard thing. I, this was a perfectly fine party match that probably overstayed its welcome a bit too long at the party okay so on the match first 
definitely with you, Jam Band. I like this closing stretch a lot. I thought this closing stretch is about Luchasaurus you know, was great in this closing yeah, stretch. Yeah, I, I, I know. I was like, I, this is peak Jurassic Express for me. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what else you you can want from this team. I am now second guessing myself on the finish of this match because at first I I just interpreted it as a babyface spot, but then now I'm thinking about the finish of the pay per view and. Like, how am I supposed to interpret the Young Bucks doing what they, the, the Young Bucks WWE melodrama stuff there at the end oh, of the we show? We will get to that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't like, maybe, okay, okay. Hawkins, I got it. I got it. When Jungle Boy smashed Matt Jackson's head or with the chair. Uh-huh. He thought about everything. All the thoughts from the last six months rushed through the back of his head, through the front of his head. And he remembered that he was being a bad person and he reconsidered stuff in the main event. See, I thought you were going to say this is where he becomes a jungle man. I was really. No, although we're we're inching closer to him just being Jungle Jack, which I think is going to be an improvement. That is fine with me because, you know, (laughs) then what will Ross call him? Oh yeah, we're getting to that. But uh, let's let's go. I I am very. Well, no, one, one last thing though. I okay. I think a star, a, a solid building performance for Jungle Boy, right? Yes. Like, like yeah, yes. you, yeah. You can't quibble with this. I mean, I, I either way, and he uh, gets Christian, the big pinball. Christian had his game on tonight too. I, I he think rules. I, I mean, it's it's weird. People were complaining about him beating up all three guys, but look at him. He's a giant compared to all three of those other guys. I I have no notes on Christian. I think he's awesome. I, he's Love absolutely underperform overperforming during this run here, and I think he's underrated. I I do as well. Uh, thoughts now uh, that we have a bit of a break. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii coming in, being Orange Cassidy's tag partner against the Butcher and the Blade on Wednesday. I think it will be a fun match that will nicely protect Ishii and he won't like go super hard. He's going to do the overseas special where he comes in and does a handful of moves. And especially with orange Cassidy there, there's going to be skitlets and bitlets and Cassidy's going to be like the cool, funny guy. And Ishii's going to be the straight man. And then at the end, there'll be like a little moment of whimsy where Ishii cuts loose, but just for a moment. And like it will be fine. Okay. The baby faces will prevail. Cody Rhodes and Pack with Arn Anderson defeated Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo with Jose the Assistant by Pinfall. Chris, you get your first crack at this one. So I was waiting this entire match for Pack to turn on Cody Rhodes and join up with Andrade's <laughs> faction because he makes perfect sense. Stick with me here. Andrade is putting together a faction of people who he used to work with in NXT, all of whom are former champions. Mm-hmm. Pack fits this mold to a T. Um, and it would have made perfect sense right here to have Pack turn on Cody Rhodes and join up with uh, Andrade and with Malachi Black. And this crowd hates Cody. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do with this faction afterwards. You have to move them on from Cody Rhodes, but I, I think that that's the play here. And, you know, I get the Cody 
is playing around with this, right? Like he's sort of like having fun with it yeah. or whatever. But like it, it's still just because he's doing that doesn't mean that it's working. Okay, my turn. I it was a little the, the Cody Pack stuff. I get it. He was teasing the heel thing because he knew he was going to get booed this entire time. And I think they were hoping for the end there that had come around because Pac got the pin that then they'd get the cheers, especially with the people. And it didn't work. The other thing that was not. How, do they really not know this at this stage of the game? Like, I, I, I no, it, what it beggars belief that like they don't get that. But I, I mean, it, he is really, playing they a really game. Cody is playing a game. He knows exactly how he is thought of. And that is why they built the match this way. But at the same time, he, I think he really does not want to turn. I do. I think he wants to, I think he wants to do it out of almost spite where he's like, you know what? I I get that, but it's getting in the way of Andrade and the, everyone else who's booked in the scene with him. You know what I mean? It's, it's the guy who wants to be, who, who's who's assigned to be the straight man deciding that they want to be the zany guy who delivers zingers in your improv team and now <laughs> like, like, like and, and it makes the rest of the scene not be able to operate so, so the, the Hawkins on the team is <laughs> <laughs> no I the thing that wasn't earned to me was the Malachi Black Andrade Idolo uh dissension I was like, what the hell is that? They've been getting along for the past two weeks. Are you kidding me with this? And what I thought was that because of the dissension between Cody and Pac and Malachi and Andrade Idolo, I thought Cody and Andrade were going to eventually become a kind of a makeshift team here and turn on both their partners. I, I just, I didn't understand what that was all about. Well, well, well what does that tell you about the storytelling? That was being too like, clever. That was being too clever. That was oh, we're gonna have both teams have dissension, so you don't know what's gonna go on and who's gonna turn on them first. And then, of course, after the match, because they are still they were hired for two weeks. They, they said they were sold for two weeks. It's like they're not slaves; they're mercenaries. <laughs> FTR comes out. Camera shot kind of gets there late to the party, but uh, Tully and FTR attack Cody. I don't know. Is this a faction or is this just going to move on? I mean, that's uh, especially after the Andrade Malachi black squabbling during the match. I'm as confused as you are at this point. Uh, and again, Cody, I guess is still a baby face here. So it I, like, it's just, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc it's unfortunate 
that there's not more coherence in this storyline because there are a lot of wrestlers I like involved in it, mm-hmm. but Cody Rhodes is miscast as the lead babyface <laughs> in this story, and there's just no two getting around it. He's, I'm not. The crowd does not accept him as a babyface. I agree. The crowd and, wants and, to hate him, and he is insisting on playing a character that is supposed to be the babyface, and, and, and the story only works if the character in that slot is a babyface that is sympathetic and is getting help from another sympathetic like friend or whatever. And 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 even when Cody is like playing into it the way he's squabbling with pack doesn't actually make us cheer for these two guys to find a way to get along and work through their problems yeah it's more like we're cheering for pack to get the win so that he can get on with his life <laughs> Britt baker dmd with rebel and jamie hater finally got some gear after changing out of her gear defeated tay conti ty conti by pinfall Oh, I think we're going to have some thoughts on this match, Chris. I think we're going to have some thoughts. Would you like to get yours out of the way or shall I go? No, you go. You get to go first this time. All right, here we go. Number one, Ty Conti, great personality. We want her to be the person in the video for, for the promo for this match. That is Judoko, someone who throws people around and kicks people. That's what she does well. You know what she doesn't do well? Everything else, pretty much. She is not good at basic stuff between the notes of professional wrestling yet. She's still working on that. Her acting is from the NXT Performance Center School of Acting, the level four O face all the time. The selling. The, the selling. The selling she hasn't Ugh. really got yet. Yeah. No. She, she, she rightfully prayed doing, doing the last rites before doing that moonsault off the top. Britt Baker is far too powerful as a heel. She's freaking, she is Thanos, whereas everybody going up against her is like a bee villain of some kind or a bee hero. She kicked out of a gotch pile driver, for God's sakes, as a two. And let's not forget the worst part of this. All right. She does the curb stomp to Ty Conti on the stairs and then throws her back in the ring and then does another curb stomp on Ty. And the match keeps going for a while because the story is she's trying to put the lockjaw on and she can't. And so she's struggling with it and struggling with it and struggling with it. And then finally in the midst of the struggling Britt Baker gets a pin on her to protect Ty Conti. What? She killed her with two curb stops. What what more did you need? It's just, it was tremendous overbooking. The problem was the lead up to this match for the last two weeks. Thunder Rosa has been the focus of it between Britt Baker. So nobody ever bought that Ty Conti might win. And you've always got to have something for Rebel and Hater yes. to do in these matches now, which is my problem with Rebel and Hater. Like, if you like Britt Baker, which I do, this is the problem. Like, it, it, even when Baker gets wins, they're now always 
clouded by rebel and hater which you can go well she's a heel they should be clouded they shouldn't be clean wins or whatever but like it, it's better for baker just period as a champion for her to win especially because real talk on jamie hater fun well liked interesting things going on with her the baker hater feud is not going to be a year-long feud no. uh yeah it, that, that this is not this is not going to set the division on fire and go to new frontiers it'll be a medium to short length feud maximum at this point um haters just like you know she's not there uh for that so then it really kind of begs the question like like why you know i kind of got rebel um but i thought baker had outgrown rebel um, and by what I really was settling in on Baker at Outgrown Rebel, she adds another person on. Ty Conti has improved since her NXT days. Don't get me wrong. She has improved leaps and bounds over her NXT days. The problem was her, her match that got her the gig on AEW Dark was one where she just did judo throws and kicked people. Let's do that. Let's do that instead of the tumbling and the gymnastics that women's wrestling has turned into a lot. Make her bootleg Ronda Rousey, and she will be much better off than what she was here. The other thing she does really well is the fire-up spot. I think she's very good at that. But we need to work on her selling. We need to work on her acting a bit before we put her at the top of a card again. Uh, Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. You? Yeah, I mean, I... I, you know, we mentioned Shamrock earlier, like that would actually be a good touchstone for Ty Conte, like, mm-hmm. like really super intense baby face fire. And I was going to do this match you know, with, with all the same characters or whatever involved. I guess I would have her really beating up on rebel and hater on the outside. But like the problem for Conte throughout the match is that she's constantly having to focus on Rebel and Hater on the outside, who she constantly has the better of, but keeps distracting her and gives enough distraction for Baker to get the win. Um, if you're trying to protect Conti, which I guess is the mission here, given the way they did the pinfall instead of the lockjaw, I think that's a better way to protect Conti. It makes her look stronger in the loss than, well, she loses in a weird situational yeah. pinfall thing. CM Punk defeated Eddie Kingston by pinfall. Go. It's your turn. Oh, man. Uh, th- this is a great match. Um, okay. I have issues with some of the storytelling, but, like, all right, putting oh. all that to... Yay! Okay. But, but, like, I dude, I just, like, love this match. I mean, like, these guys have great chemistry together. Um, CM Punk in this run, uh, he's a great promo, but he's really engaged in the ring, too. I, I think the MMA time has changed his style in a really cool and fun way my issue with the story here is that like eddie kingston was playing into the crowd too much when at the core of it kingston does not have a legitimate grievance with cm punk no one when asked can go oh yes kingston was right to go up and interrupt cm punk in that initial interview yeah like punk was like oh i want an apology or whatever but like even kingston's argument that no one wanted cm punk to come back to aew and wrestle again like that's a patently false argument okay let me let me ask you this is the heel here the backfilling of the punk mistreated me on the indies didn't sway you at all no okay 
No, because like, I, I mean, that's sort of the way one reverse engineers any sort of grievance, right? Like you right. go, okay, yeah, I interrupted him. Why'd you do that? It wasn't because it wasn't because of the indies, right? Like he just, it, Kingston came and interrupted him because he was upset that he lost to Brian Danielson fair and square. Mm. Like, you know, that, that, you know, or it, that's right. Yeah. He like, he tapped out. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, no, I, I think the the oh i was being treated badly on the indies thing is the thing that a person does to justify why they did a bad thing like oh why uh, he did something to me five years ago you don't understand um you know like don't is is it is it a sign of health and growth jeff letting go of things in the past <laughs> I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, 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 don't, I don't grow either. So I, I'm asking you more as like a, in, in case I ever as decide a, to, a, as as a, a, if, if I ever go for betterment at some point in my life. As a man of faith, I am supposed to forgive my enemies. I have a hard time. Doing How's that it. going? <laughs> ah, sometimes. Eh. This week, not so much, especially after my review. Uh, <laughs> look, I this is my favorite match of the night. I loved this match. I adored it. I loved the violence. I loved the fight. They did not start with a lockup. Thank God. Loved the, the back fist spot to start off with the knock him loopy shout out to Shoney Carter versus Matt Sarah. I dug that. I dug the CM Punk tease of the Cena spot. I liked that a lot. I liked the, the knees leading up to the GTS. I loved just the glare of CM Punk to the audience when they were booing him while he was doing the MMA stuff to set up the go to sleep, because that's a nice little seed. If we're going to make punk, the cocky you've become what you hate in this world type of thing. That's the kind of thing that will pay off in the long run. And I loved that Kingston refused to shake the hand afterwards, but you know, this is bloody. This is brutal. This was a fight. This is everything I wanted this match to be. Yeah, I think the crowd gave Punk a neat little moment to plant a seed, and he did it. He did a good thing there. But mm -hmm. like it, uh, to your point, like the blocking of this match is that at the end of the match, Punk's shaking, going out to shake the hand of Kingston. After all of that, like Kingston picked a fight for no reason. They had a rough fight. Punk's like, oh, I hope we buried the hatchet. The story here is that Punk's the face and, and Kingston's the heel. Oh, and the it, and the crowd didn't go along with it. And Punk made like le really, really, really good lemonade out of like a bit of a lemon from the crowd. But like this blocking here it, on either side of this is that Punk was the baby face. Yeah, it's it, well, okay. I, I can give you that. I, I I viewed it straight with him offering the congratulations to Eddie. I did. But there's also just that part of subtext that's in the back of your head that's like when you lost a Little League game and they're all lined up and you have to go shake their hand and they're like, oh, good game, good game. <laughs> and you know they don't mean it. They just want to say, yeah, we whooped your ass. That's what we did. I, I just think, like, if you're sympathetic to Eddie at the end of this storyline, you're working out some stuff. You know, and, and that's okay. Sometimes we are all going through it. Yes. But, but, but like punks, the face and Eddie's the heel and it's okay to go through it. Everyone's allowed to go through it. The inner circle defeated the men of the year and American top team by pinfall in a Minneapolis street fight. 
Oh, did I hate this match? <laughs> so this is a great match for me to call uh, Cody, who won't come on the show. Uh, and, and I used this opportunity to call Cody because I had limited interest in this match. So tell me what you thought. All right. Here's the good of the match. I Look, Sammy Guevara diving off that tall ladder onto... Uh, yeah, onto Saw the, that. Saw that. That, was, that was cool. Ethan Page, the perfect guy to do the Baron Von Raschke tribute spot. I'm here for that because he's a guy that does. How old is Baron Von Raschke, by the way? I believe he's like 85. My goodness. Yeah, I'm, I uh, I enjoyed that because, you know, and look, he hammed it up too. Good for him. Other than that, F this match. Um, because I felt the entire pacing and everything was bad. The presentation should have been thought out a little bit more. Just, oh, I have one note. I have one note. Go ahead. You know what was absolutely anticlimactic? Jericho and Dan Lambert's big final confrontation at the yes. end. That stunk. That was so not exhilarating. Lambert, there was no satisfaction in watching Lambert get what Jericho mustered up for an ass kicking. Uh, the Eddie spot. It may be a touch feels for people. It, not not for me. Not for me. Here are some issues I had with this match. Because, number one, you don't start a street fight off with tags. I'm sorry. You go into it. It's right there in the name. Street fight. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to talk. Sorry. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I'm with you on this, too. Because, like, look at the way they've been doing the storytelling. Like, like that these these teams hate each other. Lambert, for his part, is backed up in a corner, and so he would need to get an advantage early on. So, like, he should be really kind of like hyper ruthless early and often. A lot of my issues come out of the presentation of Dan Lambert and American Top Team. I got to be honest with you because there's two stories you can tell here. Number one, Dan Lambert old school as old school can get referencing championship wrestling from Florida when he has him in the walls of Georgia. So Dan Lambert needs to come out here. Knee pads over blue jeans, cut off shirt with a weight belt, you know, coal miners gloves, two bandanas of in ridiculous places and cowboy boots and ready for the fight where he is phony tough. And he is going to be the man to come in here on this street fight and then eventually becomes a coward. That's fine. Or if you're going to have him look like the dope in the velour sweatsuit, which it was, even though the mannerisms were for the other thing, it was for the being the toughest guy in the room. All of American Top Team and the men of the year need to be in sweatsuits. This is like a fight in the dojo. This is going to be simple because we have real MMA skills. I mean, they're coming out as Cobra Kai out here dressed uniformly and everything like that. And then the inner circle should be coming out with chains and baseball bats and wrenches and whatever. And then it dawns on them. Oh yeah. It's a straight fight. We're in for it right now. That's the two stories you could tell. And they told neither of them. Junior Dos Santos was game, but man, he missed his cue on the lion salt and it showed. Andre Arlovsky was okay here, but really this had to be carried by Sky and Page, and it was, but this match was a mess to me. I didn't enjoy it at all. 
I guess one other thing you could do is have Dan Lambert put himself in some sort of cage or something. You, know, you can do the shark cage thing because the whole story is built around Jericho wanting to pin Lambert. Yes. The, and the, so you have Lambert put himself in a how could you get me if I'm up here sort of yes. situation. The correct story to have told here was that it, it should have been men of the year and American top team without Lambert in some ways. And if they win, Chris Jericho gets five minutes with Dan Lambert maybe in a cage, whatever, but yes. And he's in a shark cage over, over the ring or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I like the entire that. time just cut coaching them from like yes. 12 feet above. Yes. Yes. Doing that. Hey, you gotta do that. Or maybe he drops something from the cage or whatever. Yeah. That, that would have been a lot easier than what they did here. Don't get me wrong. Dan Lambert game as hell game as hell to do some of these things, but everything he was involved in looked bad to me tonight. I think that Dan Lamb like he's overdoing it now, but I think Dan yes. Lambert's definitely got something. Like like there's a thing that he does and he's good at it. Uh but this I mean, it was too much. It it of course had the Jericho sensibilities and the blocking of this match was very WWE esque. And I yeah, I, I just thought the big payoff moment fell flat for me. So you know, it's it, but Jericho has been doing a lot of these. We're like the big storyline payoff moment at the end of these Jericho stories is falling onto cushions. Yes. Or it is falling into a tub of orange juice. <laughs> and like, I mean, like, he does not know how to finish the story. He's worse than M. Night Shyamalan. And also, he's a weekly performer when he needs to be a special attraction at this point, in my opinion. So before we get to the main event, it was announced that Jay Lethal is all elite. Twitter kind of in a bit of a buzz because Jay Lethal, some grooming accusations. Um, he was manipulative as a boyfriend. Nothing that crosses the line per se, but it's in the general neighborhood. I am of the opinion, though, just getting back to the wrestling aspect, I think Jay Lethal is a one-match guy in All Elite. I, I just It's one of those things where I don't see the long-term prospects of Jay Lethal in AEW. I'm sure Tony loves him. I mean, look, I love Jay Lethal as Ric Flair in TNA. He was fantastic there. He's a great wrestler. He's a very good champion of Ring of Honor. He's come out and he's challenged Sammy Guevara on Wednesday for the TNT title. That's the ceiling. Right there. To me, that's his ceiling, unless they're going to turn him into black machismo because they used pomp and circumstance for him coming out, but then he's just a comedy guy. I don't see... I don't see the use of, of, of him in a long-term story. I'm glad, I'm glad he was signed. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad he has a job. But to me, there are guys like the Briscoes who have much more upside, and I'm hoping they follow. Yeah, I mean, I guess where Lethal maybe fits into the picture is as a heel facing Adam Page, as a guy Adam Page can beat. Okay, I can see that. I just don't see how you build him up to the point where you think he has a shot against Adam Page. Uh, you know, we'll get into Adam Page when we get to Adam Page here. I, I, I think, like, I, that's coming up next. But yes. that that's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Um I, I'm with you, like, signing Lethal, okay. It adds more people into a mid-card that already has a lot of people in the mid-card. Uh, 
hard to really see. He's a guy who can headline AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation every week. There you go. But I think Bobby Fish has more upside than Jay Lethal. Yeah, mm. uh, but similar similar upside. Uh, and, and, and it's like, you know, I just, I, I do struggle to sort of see after like an Adam Page program, what Jay Lethal does other than like slot into a tag team and be, you know, part of just the regular yeah. AEW weekly mid card. Yeah. I mean, their guys, it's full of <laughs> card is full of those guys, the Hardy family office. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't see it. That's uh, I, I mean, even if you didn't have the inner circle and, you know, won't like looks like Omega might be, you know, like even half of the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, even if you didn't have a lot of the people who are like kind of your main top of the card guys right now, you'd still have a pretty bloated mid card, even if you just slotted everybody up again. Uh, I, I, that's the one thing I struggle with with AEW is just as a long, I struggle with in terms of I think it's going to be a struggle for them. You got, you know, what a guy like Kazarian's in the mix here. You got to yeah. have something for him to do. You know, you got to be still thinking about Jungle Boy and what Jungle Boy's doing. They've been, they're doing a pretty good job of that, but like, just a lot of mouse that need to be fed. And at Jay Lethal doesn't, he he can't be a priority item. You're not gonna like book Jay Lethal to the moon. Uh, so where does he go? He's not gonna win the TNT title off of Sammy Guevara. That would be a weird move have them win the TBS title, you know, like that, that's kind of the tier that lethal's looking at. Finally, the main event hangman, Adam page, defeating Kenny Omega by pinfall. Chris, it is your turn. You lucky dog. Yeah. So, you know, I was watching the match and I was trying to think about, what it is about Kenny Omega that makes me feel like he is over, like, certainly, he's a bit of a hype train, at least right now online, compared to where he actually is. And I sort of put my finger on it midway through this match. I was thinking about this this match, and it was not even close to when he had his match with Danielson. Um, this match was fine. That fine. Um, I've, he was doing better work in New Japan stuff. I, I think that Omega, for his part as a heel, has okay selling for a heel and subpar offense as a heel. I think that he doesn't get into a good momentum or rhythm as a heel and while he delivered some moves crisply um like the uh turnbuckle like the somersault uh powerbomb off of the turnbuckle that was pretty dope i mean there are also moves like along the way that uh lacked christmas like he did not get all of a hurricane rana like i i'm not gonna go like move for move but i was like paying attention because i wanted to have like a a thought out opinion on this and and I thought that I mean, this is the other thing. Kenny as a heel basically relies on cutesy wootsy stuff. Like I'm going to, I'm teasing the buckshot lariat and that sort of thing. That's sort of his bread and butter as, as a heel here. And then getting into the finish of the match, I, I just don't 
think like okay the, the story i guess is matt and nick are still adam page's friends too but i didn't think they really earned the kenny turning i didn't think they really earned the kenny you've gone too far moment here um and and, and i didn't really see like a point along the way here where like it really felt like that that's where we're going so um i i mean look uh i think the obviously the crowd really liked it the crowd really liked the outcome i think it it sent it sent all the fans home happy um which is important like and, and like let us not let us not understate that because there have been big AEW shows where that has not been the case. And it is important for them to actually establish for a ticket buyer that you are going to have a satisfactory experience that you enjoy. That does not mean every main event needs to be a happy ending, but like they did it and that was good. Um, but I, I, this was not like a super memorable match for me. To be completely honest, I, I I mean, it was okay. To me, it was the wrong kind of match. <clears throat> this was the place where you needed your G1 final work rate special between Kenny and Adam Page, where Adam Page overcomes Kenny Omega, pins him clean, one, two, three. And then everybody goes home happy. He's the champion. You can have the Dark Order thing afterwards. He it's, needs a really dominant performance, right? Like he, he like no, I don't have, even think I don't even think you need a dominant performance. I just think you need to get rid of the sports entertainment in this in this match. The the Don Callis, you know, entry after the ref bump. Matt the, and Nick showing up essentially in a way the love Bucks, story. They give it. they give the match to Adam Page essentially. Yes. It, yes. It, it's it's like no no you win the match is essentially what the Bucks were doing there. It's like they could have interfered, they didn't, and it sort of makes them the center point of the moment instead of making Adam Page the center point of the moment. I'm with you. The, like, whole, the whole point of the story was that Adam Page He needed lost to his... finally overcome Kenny Omega, the guy he won the tag titles with, the guy who was like better, who beat him in that uh, tournament for the title. Like, like th this was really a Kenny and adam page yes. storyline yes and with the bucks inserting themselves at the finish it took away from what was really like a story about the two of them well yes and and let, let's let me expand upon that a little bit because the story was you know page tried to beat omega and mega beat him in the tournament and then was the tag chance with him and turned on him and it's like you you're nothing without me you can't be on your own and then you know he joins these losers in the dark order who are his support group but it's like no guys you know what i need to go away for a while i need to learn to be on my own i need to stand on my own two feet blah 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 so he goes away and he does the entire you know reshaping of it you know dumping the alcohol for the most part type of thing you know getting his getting his mind right coming back winning the chip so he gets the gets the title match and then in the end, it all becomes about the approval of Matt Nick Jackson again. He's not standing on his own. He's, he's oh, I miss my friend so much. Uh, you can have a title as a treat. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it wasn't even, it was like, we approve. You're, you're, you're forgiven, hangman, by, by two guys who beat the crap out of you. Or, look, I, I don't mind the, the elite interworking type things because it's going to be interesting with, you know, Cole 
and Omega, and they were teasing some dissension there a little bit. And now the Bucks are involved. But if the whole story is that Adam Page is his own man, and he's going to be your super baby face champion right now, strong baby face champion, and he's still looking for approval from the young Bucks. He is not the powerful man that you were trying to make him out to be this entire storyline, and it well, kills it. Yeah, I mean, he is the beneficiary of being there. Of non-interference. Uh, uh, of on non Being there on the day that the elite finally internally combusted. And he's not even really the catalyst for the elite's internal yeah. combustion. Uh, like, I mean, if... I guess another way of doing this is if for weeks Adam Page had sort of been like planting seeds in Matt and Nick Jackson's head um, and finally getting, you know, and this was the big payoff in that moment, that'd be one thing. But Page isn't even doing that. Um, you know, if anything, the Bucks have been solidly heel and, and were embroiled in their own very heelish storyline earlier tonight with uh, the loop. Yes. Yeah. Like, like the way to do this is you get the, you get the Jacksons limping down after their match and then the dark order stops them and not by fighting them, but, but no, you can't go and they're Then they back off and they go, no, we didn't want to go anyways. Paige just kind of looks back at the two of them. They kind of look at him. He does the buckshot lariat on Kenny one, two, three. They kind of give the, you know, you know, mild thumbs up and walk away and they're done with that story. And then the dark order come in the match and celebrate with them. Same thing, but without the without the low self-esteem Adam Page. It's and not the same thing, though, because you no longer have the Bucks being the masters of fate. Right. And, and that that's the real problem here. Um, I, I have no problem. Well, we'll, we'll talk about Page as champion. The, and shot, right. the shot on the Jackson when, when he's doing the Buckshot Lariat and they missed the Buckshot Lariat was inexcusable. Uh, that sort of, I mean, that like also does serve as a nice metaphor, though, for the <laughs> no, right? Like, like yeah. the, the, the fact that like they they gave the direction to the camera team and the direction team, make sure you get the Jackson's reaction shot to this. Yeah. I, I, I hopefully Matt or Nick will be able to muster a tear here. Um, like, you know, like a one lone tear comes down their eyes. Kenny gets felled. Um, yeah. Now, I, I. Don't mind Paige as champion. I think that the roster is not super well constructed to support him is mm -hmm. the one problem here. Paige, fans love him. Uh, he's a good wrestler. He is a beloved promo. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a great promo. Um, and while I know what you're saying, he needed a G1 style match. Page, you know, like I mean, he's gonna have to, I think, work up to that level a little bit, or yeah. he's gonna need he's gonna need dance partners who do that for him. Um, so one of the issues, given the way that AEW likes to utilize their champions, is what is the longer form Adam Page match going to look like on a regular basis, and who are the heels for him to go up against? You know, it, I, I know they wanted to book against the grain here with Danielson prevailing over Miro. Miro versus Page is a much more natural first. Yes, it's a, it, and it's, it, a it, it, it's a rematch. Yeah, it's a, it, it, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes AEW does just like to, you know, pull a little swerve ski here and, and it feels clever. And don't get me wrong, Danielson versus Page is going to be interesting. I, I'm looking forward to it. But 
what Paige needs are a little bit of Hulk Hogan monster of the week yes. for 1987 right now. Or uh, Cole. Don't, don't, don't overthink this. Or yeah. Adam Cole. Or Adam Cole. Two, you know, cocky yeah. guy who you think might take the cha- championship from him, but he, he goes, yes, I agree with you. Uh, any other thoughts? Um, Thinking just in the immediate who potentially gets the belt off a of page, I think MJF is Has a strong, to be MJF. Yeah, Has strong to be. contender here. And I, and I think it it will be it will be a heist sort of scenario when MJF finally gets that title. It will be, you know, it'll be dirty, dirty as the day is long. I think MJF is the strong choice because I think he's a stronger heel than Cody Rhodes. Yet I would still I still posit that the way to do Cody is to have him win one of these chips or whatever, cash it in to do the title match, even though he's not supposed to win the title. And that's how you turn him heel. But I think oh, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, Cody Rhodes going up against Adam Page, like that would be perfect for Adam Page. He'd be so over. The yes. crowd would be so like what the one thing I think they need to avoid with Adam Page, and I, and I know we're already kind of cruising there with Danielson. They need to avoid the cool pairings where you have cool baby face versus other cool baby face. Adam Page n- needs to always be in scenarios. You need to avoid both these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo- both these guys needs to be avoided. He can survive an occasional both these guys, but largely speaking, he needs to be on a steady diet of yay Adam Page, boo the heel. Agreed. I'll do it for us. I'm Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 and follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at DWATG. As he said before earlier in the show, DWATG stands for Don't Worry About the Government. That's a Patreon show that he does about politics. He'll tell you about it right now. Hawkins, you said this would be 15 minutes. It would be it would be exactly 15 minutes, and then I could go back to bed, and it would be I could turn the lights off, and I could be cozy and sleeping and dreaming about architecture, and this went on nearly an hour, possibly longer. I have not looked at the time. Don't Worry About the Government can be found at don'tworry.tv. It can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Patreon.com slash DWATG is where you can find it on Patreon. I get the YouTube episodes up usually a few days before I get around to editing the show. I'm also... Like I, I think on don't worry on the on the Patreon here, I'm gonna start doing more I'm gonna be posting the background music and stuff that I read for Don't Worry About the Government and talking more about the writing process and that sort of thing in the music. So if you're interested in all of that, go and check that out. Um that that will be come up there in the next week or two. I think we're going to start doing episodes. I just put out a new track here this week. Next week, Survivor Series preview, and hopefully, Starcade 1989. We'll try and get that in. Good night. Let's do it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21- 
21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.